Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 56 is what we're going to allow God to, to nourish us with this morning. We're basically picking up where we left off last week. And in this passage, I'm going to let you really unpack it more in your life groups. There's a ton of stuff. And you're going to walk away thinking, well, he didn't say this, he didn't say this. And primarily, it's because it happens when you're reading Scripture that sometimes there's just one thing that you can see. And all I could see, the main theme that I saw in this passage was on humility, the theme of humility. And perhaps that was all that I could see because that's all that God wanted me to see because God knew that's what I needed to see. God knows that's what we all need to see, a, a lesson on humility. And so what all I want to do today is I want us to walk through this story and this beautiful song that we worshipped with earlier. And I want to show you how humility is just interwoven through every verse in this text. And then I want to close with sharing with you why I believe this is so incredibly important and relevant for our lives. As we saw last week where we left off, Mary discovered by the message of the angel Gabriel that she was pregnant and we discovered that is true for all of us. And it was, it was quite a shocking revelation. And so to drive home the certainty of, of Mary's pregnancy... Gabriel told her that even her relative Elizabeth, who was in her old age and has always, had always been unable to conceive, she's now in her sixth month of pregnancy. And so now our story starts out with, a, with, Elizabeth, with Mary working her way, going to see Elizabeth, and it makes all the world a sense that she would do this because who else in the world would understand Mary's situation? Who would know it better than Elizabeth. They had a parallel story going on here, very parallel. Who else would believe this unbelievable story? Certainly Elizabeth would. And so as Gabriel had told Mary that Elizabeth was pregnant, Mary now goes to, to see this miracle for herself and thus verifying the miracle of her own pregnancy. So let's enter this story. Chapter 1 and verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard, of, heard Mary's greetings, the baby in her womb, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And I believe we see humility. This is our main theme everywhere in this passage. But I think it starts out, we see it first of all, through the focus here not on men, but on women and children. These were two groups in Luke's day who were considered second-class citizens. 
And so as I, as I mentioned to you earlier, Luke is, a, you're going to see this all throughout his gospel, he's a champion of the underdog, showing attention and care to those who were looked down upon, to those in society who were overlooked and valued less. As we in our Wednesday night class, and you're more than welcome, we'd love for you to, to, to participate with us in our adult class. We're, we're wrestling with this issue of, in our world, and it's an issue in the church of gender discrimination. And what is women's role in the church? As we wrestle with this, we see here in this story the great role of women in God's kingdom. In Luke's day of much greater gender discrimination against women than we've ever seen in our day, the two main characters in his opening scene of those whom God chose to bring Christ into the world are two women. As we work our way through the end of Luke and as we see that we're going to find in, that it's two women who were the first to, to see the risen Christ and to testify to him as well. Luke quickly rules out the notion well, I'm just a woman. Ah, she's, she's just a woman. Women never, ever underestimate your value and worth. And never let anyone cause you to underestimate that. But there's also something here that we see, knowing the ages of Mary and Elizabeth, that Mary was a young teenager and Elizabeth was much, much older, certainly a senior citizen. It rules out the notion of, well, I'm, I'm too young, or well, I'm too old. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Those are the words of Paul to the young Timothy. And here we could also add, don't let anyone look down upon you because you were old, though you may be regarded as old. Listen, God's greatest work may be yet before you. We see humility in, in, in the, the role of women in this story. But we also see humility in the role and the focus of children in this story. You would have to be very ignorant and very um, not watching the news to, to realize our nation has been and will continue to be in the huge debate, carrying out the huge debate as it was carried out in the Supreme Court of the fate of the unborn in our nation. And as our nation and as our people wrestle and argue and debate over this, this situation of the unborn, this passage speaks some powerful truths for God's people to be aware of. First of all, as I already spoke of the God's care and love and value shown towards women in this story, it's important in this discussion and in the debate of the unborn to be, to, to, to be aware of and to be sensitive to so many precious women who have experienced the painful emotions and the confusion of an unexpected pregnancy and who have been so incredibly hurt and will be hurt by this debate. God's heart 
is with such precious women. God's power is there to heal. And God has called us as his people to be the heart of God. But also we see an incredible spotlight focus in this story on two children. It's quite powerful. Our, we, we, we read in, 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 first, in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 41 and verse 44, when Elizabeth saw Mary and heard Mary's greetings, the baby John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb, it says he leaped in her womb with joy. This is long before the medical science of our day has had so many incredible abilities to know what's going on with the womb of a mother. Here, Dr. Luke, we know that he was a doctor, he tells us that this six-month unborn child was a living being with emotions of joy and even a realization of the arrival of Mary being pregnant with Jesus. That's fascinating. If you remember earlier in chapter 1 and verse 15, we learned that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born, telling us that this child, chosen to be a prophet of God, at this moment as we've read this story in his mother's womb, he is now in this moment serving as the, the smallest prophet ever, likely some 9 to 10 inches in length or height. Weighing in somewhere around one to one and a half pounds with transparent skin. But even in that moment, he was pointing to and testifying to the coming of the Christ by his reaction in his mother's womb, all prompted by the Holy Spirit. This is a story of two women. God elevates and it's the story of, of two unborn children chosen by God, known by God, purposed by God, reminding us of the words to the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Michael Card, in his beautiful song written so many years ago, El Shaddai, a Hebrew word which means God Almighty, he writes these words in the song, your most awesome work was done through the frailty of your son. Here we see God's most awesome work being done through the frailty of two sons yet to be born. And in the frailty of his son to be born of Mary is God Almighty. It's humility. But I also see in this story in Elizabeth's reaction to Mary, I see, I see in her humility, and I see in Elizabeth's reaction to Mary's humility when I compare myself and I put myself in her shoes. To be honest with you, this would have been difficult for me if I had been Elizabeth. It would have been difficult because my pride would have made it very difficult for me. As an older person, I would have struggled with, with jealousy and envy toward the younger Mary. Mary had been chosen to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God. Elizabeth had been chosen to give birth to his forerunner. Elizabeth came in second 
Mary's child was the main event. Elizabeth's child was the opening act. Elizabeth was blessed indeed. But in her own words, Elizabeth stated of Mary, Blessed are you among women. Why, listen to these words, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to see me? Blessed is the child you will bear. Elizabeth's child was great, but she knew and acknowledged that Mary's child was even greater. Her humility allowed her to to praise someone else over herself. And you follow her son's story, John the Baptist, and you see the exact same traits of John the Baptist as we will later see him comparing himself to Jesus. And he says, he must become greater, I must become less. It's a powerful story from John the Baptist. He knew who he was. He knew who he wasn't. And he was okay with that. I think he got that from his mother. We see Elizabeth in verse 45 also complimenting Mary's faith with the words, Blessed is she, speaking of Mary, who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And this compliment of Mary's faith is likely a comparison of Mary's faith to Elizabeth's faith, and especially to Zechariah's faith, because Zechariah, we know in chapter 1, was rebuked by the angel for having a lack of faith, for not believing. And so you can only but imagine that as Mary, as Elizabeth was speaking and complimenting Mary's faith, she is saying, looking at her husband Zechariah, saying, Blessed is she who has believed. I believe it's also important to note that Elizabeth's humility wasn't something that she just conjured up. But did you notice that what she understood and what she spoke was a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit? It is the Holy Spirit within that works to break down our pride. I'm not saying to you today, leave today and you be humble. It's something the Spirit does as we yield ourselves to Christ. He works within us to break down our pride and create in us the fruit and the character of humility. I don't know about you, but through this story, I hear the Spirit saying to my prideful self, Eddie, take a look at Elizabeth. There's a lot from her you could learn. A lesson on humility. And then he shifts my attention next, in the next passage, to Mary. There's something I want you to learn from Mary as well. In response to all that Elizabeth had just stated about her, we see in verses 46 through 56, Mary responds with a, with a song that we sang earlier. It's traditionally called the Magnificat. And this is basically the first word in this text from the Latin Vulgate translation of, of the New Testament. You know, the songs that we sing, they say a lot about us, don't they? They reflect a lot about us. The song that Mary sings here, it tells us a lot about Mary. It shows us a lesson on humility. Listen to her words. My soul glorifies, or you could translate that, magnifies, enlarges the Lord. 
After all that Elizabeth had just said about Mary, you can only imagine the temptation for it all to go to Mary's head and for Mary to think so highly of herself and to, to put a post on, so, on social media and to saying, look at me, directing attention to herself. But instead of it going to her head, it all goes straight to her soul and from the depths of her soul. My soul magnifies him. Look at him. Glory to God are her words. Glory to God and not to me. Mary's song is, is not about herself. It's about God. So let me ask you, what is the theme of your life song. There's so much, I believe, self-glorification done in the name of, of religion where those use God and Christianity as, as a personal stage. But church, our life's goal is not as the world teaches us to make a name for ourselves. Our life's goal is to make a name for God. Our life's goal is that when others see us and hear us, they don't proclaim, wow, Eddie is incredible. But when others see us and hear us, they say, wow, God is amazing. God is incredible. That's Mary's song. Verse 47, she sings, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It was humility that helped Mary realize that she was a sinner in need of a Savior. In verse 48, she, she continues to sing, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Her song was not, well, of course it's me. Who else would it be? She was absolutely blown away that God would notice her that God would choose her, that God would be mindful as it states, and this is our word, of her humble state. And you go to the dictionary for the word humble and you find these words having or showing a modest or low estate of one's own importance, of low social rank. That's how Mary saw herself. She calls herself a servant in this song, which could be literally translated a slave. It's humility. Verse 48, she continues to sing, From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Not mine, his. So Mary makes it clear that this is not what I have done, but this is what he has done. A blessing given to me through his work in my life. It's humility. Verse 50, she sings, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Mary realizes that what God has done in her life is absolutely nothing that she deserves, but it is fully because of His mercy. Mercy being a word that conveys the meaning of not getting what you deserve. No one in heaven will say, I did it. Look at what I did. It will be because of what he has done by his mercy. And in her song, Mary sings that it is a mercy that extends 
to those who fear him. The humble spirit has a reverent fear of God. Pride and a prideful spirit fears no one. Notice in verses 51 through 55 how the whole of Mary's song is not about Mary, but it's about God with the use of pronouns he. You don't see I, I, I. You see he. Verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his name. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful and to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. He has performed. He has scattered. He has brought down. He has filled. He has helped. There's no I. I don't know if he's watching my live stream, but Frank Azar is not the strong arm. You're not either. Mary wasn't either. He, you want a strong arm? He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. We teach our children that song, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And in these words, in verses 51 through 55, you see, everything is so counterintuitive, countercultural, is so, so, so much a complete reversal of the human opinions of success and significance as we define it in our world. Notice how the proud, the rulers, the rich are brought down. Those that we regard as successful are brought down. And God brings them down that they might open their eyes to see him. But they're brought down and the humble are lifted up. The hungry are filled and the helpless servants our help. You see, in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. And then the story ends with these words. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. And it's a lesson on humility. Why? You've got to ask that question when you're, when you're working your way through the flow of a text. As, as Luke is opening this gospel, why is that such a dominating theme right here? With his Advent series, or you know, with his Advent narrative, Luke is setting the stage for us to come and behold the wondrous mystery. He's setting the stage as, as we're going to experience on Christmas Eve in our Christmas Eve service. I want to encourage you to come. And it's a great opportunity to invite your friends. Luke is going to lead us to Bethlehem, to the manger, to behold Christ in all his glory. But in order to see him, we have to get ourselves out of the way. I think that too often pride, which keeps a constant focus on self, it blinds us to God and to who he is. Matthew, in his account of the Advent, tells us of how King Herod, though he was right there in the middle 
of the story and he failed to see Jesus because of his sinful pride. He was so full of himself that he didn't see the fullness of Christ. And I'm frightened to think of how many of us too closely identify with Herod. So full of ourselves with pride, leaving no room for Christ. And because of that, I think that's what this passage is doing. I think it's, it's functioning and working to, to empty us of ourselves, to create in us a humble spirit that our my eyes might be open to clearly see Him. Thus, upon clearly seeing God, it puts us in our place, in our proper place of humility, clearly seeing ourselves, and thus, like Mary and Elizabeth, positioning us to be powerful instruments in God's hand. As we began to clearly see God in all His greatness, and then we began to see ourselves through that in our humility, it then in turn helps us to clearly see others in our relationship to them. Just think about it. What would, our, what would our families be like? What would this church be like? What would our nation be like if we saw ourselves in relationship to others as Mary did, not with the prideful, selfish agendas and not with a, a me mentality, but as humble servants, not only to God, but to one another? What would that be like? Jesus echoes these very sentiments of this song in, in Mark 9, verse 35, with the words, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. Mary sang it. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. And listen to this, and servant of all. One writer states of Mary's song, the Magnificat is the most revolutionary document in the world. Oh, how it would revolutionize our lives. Oh, how it revolutionize our marriages. Oh, how it would revolutionize our families, our workplaces. Oh, how it would revolutionize this church and our nation if Mary's song became our song, if we rose every morning and said, I am a servant of all. We need that revolution. Our world and our nation is filled with, with conflict, violence, and tension, and fighting, and arguing, and divisive behavior. I mean, in every arena, wherever you look, there you see it. And, and it seeps into the church. It seeps into our families and it seeps into our lives. And while we may blame it on the issues and on the stands that we take on the issues, on mask or no mask or on COVID or on politics or, or racial issues, at the root of it all is sick, selfish, prideful spirit. And so as Luke is leading us in this story to come to Bethlehem, to see the newborn Christ. What do we see in that manger? We see more than Elizabeth in this story. We see more than Mary. We see in that manger a revolutionary leading a revolution.
but not as a marching warrior with violence, fighting, arguing, name-calling, protest, canceling others, putting people down. We see in the manger in Bethlehem, as the Apostle Paul writes, one who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself, this is God in Christ the child, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, he humbled, that's our word, himself. Church, if the almighty God and creator of the universe humbled himself, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, as we see in the story of the advent, how can we do anything less? How dare we do anything less? May we follow not only the call or the example of the humility of these two beautiful women chosen by God, Elizabeth and Mary, but most of all, may we follow the example of Jesus. May Mary's song become our song. Would you stand with me and pray? Father, we confess to you our sinful pride. And if anyone in this moment is resistant to confess that, that's evidence of sinful pride. Father, we, we struggle with it at varying degrees and it's something that blinds us to you. Oh, it's so much at the root cause of so many of the problems we see in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our church, in our nation. So we ask, Father God, that the truths of these words in Mary's song would be embedded into our heart, that they become our life song. So we ask that by your Spirit, you would take the words of Scripture that we have heard today, and Father, penetrate these words deeply within our souls, and form within us a spirit and character of humility, that we may see you clearly beyond ourselves and thus see ourselves in humility and thus see others as we should and father as you this month draw our attention to your son born in the manger in Bethlehem may you open our eyes to see you as you revealed to us your character in what we read today the mighty one who has done great things the God of holiness the God of mercy, the faithful God who keeps his promises, the God who is mindful of us, the God of mercy, our God who is our Savior. Father, in this moment of prayer, we worship you for who you are. And we ask now that in this time of prayer, as we offer up this song to you, we ask that you would speak to us personally. Holy Spirit, you do your work. And show us from what we've read in Scripture today what you're saying to each one of us individually in our lives in a very personal and practical way. We come to you now and we offer these prayers to you. And as we enter in this time of prayer through song, I want to encourage you, if you need one of our shepherds to pray with you, just go look for them. They'll be walking around looking for you. Raise your hand or if you know someone that needs a hug and a prayer this morning, let's reach out to God in this time of prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. 
Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.